This is The Creator Revealed, a production of 3ABN Television. Welcome to The Creator Revealed. I'm Tim Standish and I'm a scientist. But like most scientists, and perhaps surprisingly in some people's minds, I love beautiful things. Amen. Who doesn't? (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, I'm Shelley Quinn. We just want to thank you so much for joining us. I believe you will really enjoy this particular presentation. We are talking in this series about how God's attributes are revealed in the invisible things that He created, even His power and His Godhead. And today we've got a special presentation. There we go. And in fact, we're going to talk about visible things Ah. today. His attributes, you can see them in the creation. One of the things that I love about the Bible is the encouragement that it gives us to look for beauty in the creation. And probably one of the best known and most encouraging texts about that was written by Solomon in Ecclesiastes 3.11. He wrote, He, this is God, has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. Amen. That last bit used to confuse me quite a bit. What, what do you mean? We can't, we, we can't figure it out? No, this is wonderful news. The more you look, the more you discover. And God, who is infinite, apparently has created something that is going to be infinitely interesting to us. We're not going to get to heaven and after a billion years think, oh, I've got that all worked out. <laughs> There's nothing, nothing new to do. I wish that it was all over or something. Now I'm bored. Not at all. It simply gets more and more wonderful. As does he. You know, the more I get to know about God, the more you realize how little you know about God. And his character is so multifaceted as his creation is. He's an incredible, uh, I mean, he is the lover of our souls, but it's incredible to even consider the wonder of it all. Yes. And to me, it's not humiliating. It's encouraging that we will never quite have it all figured out. There's always more, more wonderful things. So I want to actually start out by looking at a work of art, a beautiful work of art. This is Moses. And I chose him because, well, he's the one who wrote Genesis. He's the one who who wrote those immortal words, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. This is obviously a work of art. The real Moses. Michelangelo, right. Um, And when you look at this, it's not really Moses, obviously. Michelangelo never didn't have Moses there to sort of model his sculpture off. This is the artist's conception of what Moses 
might have looked like. Now I have a question. Yes. Though. Either he has hair like mine, <laughs> or what is on top of his head? You know, that is something that has been a mystery to me. Can you see those things? Yes, they look like they horns. look like horns. And I wondered and wondered and wondered for years about that. I asked many artists that I knew, what's going on with those horns on Moses' head? I don't think anyone knows. But I have heard a theory that makes a reasonable amount of sense. And the theory is this, that uh, when Moses came down uh, after getting the Ten Commandments and, and being with God, his face shone and the people couldn't look at him. In the Latin translation of the Bible, apparently that was mistranslated in some way. The beams of light came out as horns of light. Okay. And so this actually tells us something about Michelangelo. He was probably looking at the Latin Vulgate, we call it, the, the, yes. the Bible in Latin, and he read that, and he was trying to be true to Scripture. <laughs> and that's why we have the horns that's on Moses' head. So there we have an illustration of how a work of art tells you something, gives you some sort of insight into the artist, uh, whoever that artist might be. Now, I want you to consider this wonderful view that we read about, it, that the Bible gives us, of, of nature and everything. God has made everything beautiful. And I want you to compare it with this very solemn statement, really, sobering statement, that Charles Darwin made in his autobiography. This is what he was writing when he was an old man, and he said, "...formerly pictures gave me considerable, and music very great, delight. But now, for many years, I cannot endure to read a line of poetry. I've tried lately to read Shakespeare and found it so intolerably dull that it nauseated me. I've also almost lost my taste for pictures or music. I retain some for fine scenery, but it does not cause me the exquisite delight which it formerly did." Wow. How telling is yes. that? What happened to this man? How, how awful to think that a person could go from loving music, loving art, loving nature, the beauty, the wonder that is out there. How can that be lost? But don't you think that your, your mindset, your perspective on things, if you have a negative mindset and you're always looking for what's wrong, suddenly everything becomes Exactly. Dumb. Exactly. And that's, that is the horror, really one of the most terrible things about the view of life that Darwin has passed down to people. It takes away yes. the beauty. He wrote this in a letter. He said, what a book a devil's chaplain might write on the clumsy, wasteful, blundering, low and horribly cruel works of nature. Yeah. Darwin obsessed about these things. And of course, as Christians, we don't deny, we don't deny that nature is broken. And of course, the Bible gives us an explanation for what's going on. It also gives us hope yes. that this, but in, notice in this, there is a premise in what Darwin is saying. And that premise is, hey, this seems wrong to me. And yet within his theory, it's the way it should be. 
the everything should be in a state of struggle and things shouldn't be perfect. They should be broken and the things, the more broken things should be eliminated by natural selection. How can you those two statements, though? It's, it's like so contradictory. Exactly. It's, it's like a logical tension that you find in much of what Darwin writes because we know that the cruel things we see in nature, the broken things, there's something wrong there. There's something wrong. We know that in, in the core of our soul. And that's from the and result of ironically, the ironically, Darwin was saying, that's what made us what we are today. Wow. But what it took from him, what it sapped from, from him. I want us to look at a few natural things. You know, just Sometimes it's okay to just step back and say, what is there? What's there? So this is a butterfly. You'll notice that I like taking pictures of butterflies and things. I mean, I, everywhere you look, it, you know, if you have this biblical view, everywhere you look, there's something beautiful and wonderful. And, and in, in unexpected places, this is, this is a, the eye of a, of a butterfly. This is what's called a scanning electron micrograph. So it's not in color, but I love the geometry that's in there. Look at that. Each of those is a little facet of its eye. Oh, what you're a, kidding. I thought what there a, was a honeycomb at first. Uh, yes, well, that, that hexagonal shape shows up in multiple places in nature. But it's just kind of beautiful and interesting. And, oh, this, this shocked me. You know, different butterflies lay different kinds of eggs. How and exquisitely And they have different beautiful. patterns on the surface. Yeah. I would never have noticed this, but I happen to be uh, working on a film <laughs> and we wanted some pictures of butterfly eggs so we got some butterfly eggs and put them under the electron microscope and each one is different each Amazing. one is just fascinating um, and and but it's not just the eggs it's not just the tiny things when you zoom back and you look at a bunch of butterflies together now, these are monarch butterflies and um, uh, this particular group of monarch butterflies actually meets during the winter on the coast of California, and that's where they spend the winter. They're smart. They're, some humans do that as well. You know, I didn't realize how many butterflies we had in the area until we planted three butterfly bushes oh, off yeah. our back mm -hmm. deck, and now we have butterflies everywhere. They love those bushes. The diversity, the beauty of them, so much. At, but it's not just the animals. It's, it's everything in nature. Why is it that every sunset? is a masterpiece. Anytime you can see a sunset, it's just, just wonderful. And God, God, why did God have to make it so beautiful? Why did he give us senses to, to appreciate this and minds that praise him as a result? Or, you know, sometimes- He could have made everything monochrome. We, we yes. he gave us vision yeah. with color. Just the abundance of everything. Sometimes, sometimes I go hiking up in the Sierra Nevada mountains. And again, everywhere you look, there is this beauty. You could spend all day just looking at one scene up there yes. and never get bored with it. It's, it's tremendous. And if you go out to the universe, it's fabulous out there. This is just one galaxy and there are billions of these things out there. And every one of them is different. I would love to had Charles Darwin meet you. <laughs> you, get... the, you know, the sad reality is once you embrace this philosophy, you're in trouble. The, the, you're in trouble. the idea the of evolution without a God. 
the beauty is gone. It's gone. It's, it's all about utility and does it work? And I don't think it works, so therefore it's bad. And, and in reality, the more we look, the more beautiful and wonderful it is. Oh, I, I love these bird of paradise flowers, but yes. we could have done endless flowers and you look inside some flowers and you find things like this, this bee and you might've picked up that I like bees. It's all wonderful. It's all, it's all just fabulous. And, and these little birds, it's the little birds that fascinate me. Big birds are wonderful as well, but the little birds, we don't notice them. They all look like just little brown things and we don't stop to really look at them and just the sparkle in its eye and the, wow, wow, this one here. Oh, Beautiful. you know, it, it, doesn't it look like it's singing God's yes. praises? Yes. Singing there. Jesus encouraged us to look at nature and see the beauty that's there. He said, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Amen. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Amen. Yeah. Amen. You know, God, He wants us to, to look at the beauty out there. And what does that beauty tell us? Well, it tells us about God's flawless aesthetic taste. God is an artist. And if He cares about that, He cares about you. And you know, when you look at a newborn baby and how perfect they are and consider all the little parts that that how they were knit together in the womb. You see that God is a God that his creative ability goes beyond anything you and I could fathom. And when we have the hope and the joy of the Lord, I think it opens our eyes to see all of these exactly. things. And poor Darwin had neither. So all he saw was the negative. Well, we are going to take a quick break, but we want you to stay tuned because in our second segment, we have a special guest who's going to give a life application of this. Welcome to the Minute That Makes a Difference. I'm Margot Marshall. What difference would it make if you made a habit of being grateful? Gratitude actually has measurable health benefits. For example, adults who keep gratitude journals on a regular basis exercise more regularly, they report fewer illness symptoms, feel better about their lives as a whole, and are more optimistic about the future. Gratitude is actually a science, and it's also ancient wisdom, having way over a hundred mentions in the Bible. And there's a lot to be thankful for. Albert Einstein admitted that he needed to remind himself a hundred times a day that his inner and outer life depended on the labours of other people, living and dead. So cultivate gratitude. It makes a difference. Welcome back to The Creator Revealed. If beauty is in the eye of the beholder, it is certain that our next guest sees the beauty of God's creation and expresses it ever so well. I would have to agree with you. Uh, Nathan Green is really one of the uh, premier, premier 
uh, Christian artists yes. of our age. And uh, if you have an image in your head of what Jesus looks like, it could well have been painted by Nathan Green. So we're delighted to, to, to have him with Absolutely. us. Absolutely. And um, I'm hoping that we're going to be able to see, oh yes, in fact, we can see some of these paintings uh, that you've been working on. Welcome, Nathan. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, we've been talking about the beauty that's, that's present there in the creation and the encouragement that the Bible actually gives us and the, obviously the biblical worldview to actually see that beauty and, and gain joy uh, from it. But what I'd like to ask you is, as an artist, you know, somebody who really appreciates beauty and, and produces beautiful things yourself, how is it that the creation inspires the work that you do? Well, you know, when you think about it, artists study a lot of the same things that scientists study. Uh, chemists, physicists, uh, mathematicians, they study things like symmetry and harmony and perspective and proportion and economy of design. These are all things that artists study as well. And for me, in particular, as a Christian artist, I look at nature and I see all these things. I don't, I'm not a mathematician, so I don't necessarily define things or study things in terms of equations and numbers, but I see symmetry and harmony and balance in nature. And so it's evident to me that there was a designer and a master artist involved in creating the world around us. Yes. Well, I, I have to admit that I'm fascinated by these, these paintings that you have up behind you. And I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about them. I see that there's one that looks fairly complete uh, that would be over your right shoulder. Um, yes. So tell us, is this a series that you're working on or uh, wh yes. where are those coming from? Well, my agent and one of our, our clients, our art patrons who prefers to remain anonymous, uh, they came up with the idea of creating a new series of paintings depicting the seven days, the seven literal days of creation from the book of Genesis. I'm almost done with the project. Uh, the pain you see over my right shoulder uh, is day one of the creation series. Okay, so this and would be this Let is, There Be Light then. Yes, Let There Be Light. And the Spirit of God uh, hovered over the waters, and so you see uh, Christ the Creator standing, uh, really floating over the waters that were on the earth. And you might notice in the background there are many equations representing the laws of nature. Which and other uh, designs and things that God truly had in mind as He. I, I think I might see. Them. I think I might be able to see some DNA in there. Am I right? There's definitely there's DNA. Oh. There's uh, photosynthesis. Uh, there's many equations like Maxwell's equations, Einstein's field theorems, and E equals mc squared. There's the golden mean. This ratio that is found often in nature in many uh, things that is thought to be kind of an ideal proportion found in things like the nautilus shell, uh, mm -hmm. the rose petals, the way they're aligned on a, on, a, on a rose are lined up according to that ratio. Uh, even It's even thought that that ratio appears in the human form and the human face and something that artists have been aware of uh, for a long time. You know, one of the things that I like about artists, and I have a number of friends who are artists, is 
it is really a point that you yeah. raised, which is artists are trained to be observers. Yes. And scientists are trained to be observers. And, and yet, we, we really are coming at things from very, very different angles. Um, what um, I would be interested in is how you think the, the art that you do would be different if you didn't believe the Bible, if you didn't believe that in the creation that's there, would, would, would things be different? Would you be choosing different subjects, painting in a different style? It's really an interesting question because I have many friends who are artists that uh, some are believers and some are not. And even those that are not believers, they often find the greatest enjoyment, I think, in painting landscapes and wildlife and things that are nature, mm -hmm. that are a reflection of what God has created. I think people, you know, the idea would be for everybody to have faith and confidence that there is a creator and a designer for the world around us. But even people who don't believe that seem to see and appreciate the beauty that is there. Uh, but I think because I um, was born and raised in a Christian home and recognize the importance of this, I see a creator in everything around us. And I believe that the beauty and design and uh, all the laws of nature, which are also reflecting beautiful design, are evidence of God as the master artist and as the master designer of our world. I, 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 I'm, I'm looking now at the at the painting that's immediately behind you. And I can see that that one's not complete yet, but it looks yeah. to me like you're actually depicting God, um, I'm guessing, uh, creating Adam, shaping Adam, yeah. actually actually working as a, essentially a sculptor in, yeah. in there, yes. Yeah, this is day six of the creation series. It's the last one. I actually went ahead and did day seven before finishing day six. So this is my last one. And this depicts Christ as the creator uh, forming Adam from the ground. And there'll be a glow over Adam, almost like a supernatural glow. And uh, it was also the day that land animals, mammals were created. And uh, several days after, all botanical life was created. So this is kind of a, a flourishing Edenic environment where Adam was uh, first created. You know, Nathan, there's undeniable beauty and symmetry in God's creation, and I see it everywhere, but I wished I could look through your eyes. I'm always so interested in the composition of your artwork. It's beautiful. God's given you a true gift. Thank you. One of, the, one of the things that I do see in that particular painting, and it jumps out at me as a, as a biologist, is that tiger uh, down there. You know, I grew up in, uh, particularly during the time that, that, that I was a child in Malaysia, if there was one thing I was taught to fear, it would be tigers. You know, you didn't go wandering off into the jungle. Uh, for some reason or other, Cobras were okay, but those tigers could really get you. <laughs> um, uh, so t tell, me, tell me a little bit about your thinking in including this interesting uh, collection of animals along with God creating the human being. Yes. 
Well, to me, the design of the animals themselves are remarkable and beautiful. And to my mind, they're evidence of a creator. The tiger is especially amazing to me. I mean, we have house cats that are a little hint of what a tiger is, but just the thought of such a massive animal and the fact that they are becoming more and more endangered uh, is the reason why I wanted to show uh, one of the original tigers in my painting here, but also a variety of life and not just North American, but uh, from other continents. Uh, I've got an elephant, I've got a, a what I'm calling a gazelle, I'm not, I'm not from Africa, I'm not sure exactly what species, but uh, I gave it a name, Giselle the Gazelle. <laughs> By the way, the tiger reappears in day seven as well. Uh, I guess it's just the tiger fell in love with Adam and uh, wanted to hang around for day seven. <laughs> there you go. You know, when I, was a, when I was a little boy, I had a pet monkey. My mother didn't think much of that pet, <laughs> I'm afraid, but he was fantastic. And, uh, but I have to admit, I have to admit that there was a, um, uh, a desire and a fear when it came to, to, to the tigers. I would love to have a pet tiger. Yes, and Can you'll you imagine get to that? in, and, in and the this new is, this, is, this is one of the truly beautiful things and I'm about sorry, these. You know, I'm sorry we can't be showing the tiger right now because we are having some Skype issues. Yeah. This, is, this is what technology <laughs> This is, is like. what technology but does, yeah. But, oh, that's beautiful. Oh, isn't that wonderful? This, uh, this would be day five. Yes. Um, I think that the thing that, that, that kind of strikes um, me at an emotional level uh, with these paintings is in fact seeing. Oh, what a beautiful yeah, tiger. That, that's the Sabbath there. Oh, that's beautiful. It is seeing these beautiful creatures that unfortunately in the, in the current world are problematic. Really problematic, yeah. So I can, I can still hear Nathan. Unfortunately, we can't see him anymore. But I want to thank you so much for sharing your art with us and with the rest of the world, Nathan. And uh, it's greatly appreciated. Thank you. Thank you, Nathan, so much. I have a beautiful picture. Everyone always tells me that I have the heart of Mary. I love to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn. But... I live in a Martha world. So Nathan did a beautiful picture of Jesus, Mary, and Martha. And Mary's sitting at his feet. Martha's rattling the pots and pans. And I feel like a blend of the two. <laughs> you know, I see these sorts of things and I wonder whether I haven't done something wrong with my life. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I should have succumbed to that temptation to be an art major oh, in college. But there is so much beauty out there. So much, so much that really glorifies God. And it's fabulous to see artists sort of worshiping God through the work that they do. And you do that uh, with your photography. Well, with my photography, but also I like to imagine with the work that I do in general. You know, every one of us, no matter what it is that we do in life, each one of us is called to worship the Creator. And that's not something that we do just when we're in church. That's something that we can do in our everyday lives as we share the Creator with others. Amen. And I just want to encourage you that when the come next Sabbath, go out into God's creation after church. 
and look at what the Lord has done for us. Worship the Creator. been listening to The Creator Revealed, a production of 3ABN Television.